Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Denise Hanks and Lawrence, and I'm here again with you as a conversation. This time, we're going to be talking about mental illness and uh, bringing awareness to it and tying it with faith as well. And I have with me today my guest. Her name is Kristen, but I'm going to allow her to introduce herself and then we can go into our conversation. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Kristen? Hi, uh, my name is Kristen. I am currently living in Minnesota and I am hoping to become a pastoral counselor and possibly minister. And I am very excited to be on the show today. So I'm going to keep saying and. <laughs> and uh, I hope to just continue this conversation and hopefully we can do what God's called us to do on this conversation here. Great. I'm, I was about to say amen. I was about to say amen, Pastor. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I invited you to this platform because I really wanted to give you an opportunity to speak to it, to speak to mental illness, okay. and to tie the mental illness with your faith journey and what mm -hmm. it has been like. Um, it wasn't always peaches and cream because you're still looking yeah, at a negative flash <laughs> right there, you know, two clashes mm -hmm. together. So um, we could just flow today. We're just going to talk about it like, yeah. What, why did you create this platform and what has your journey been like? <sighs> That's a good question. I, my first off, my journey has been like just start off with having anxiety in it. Uh, I've always had anxiety. Actually, I was talking to my mom earlier about kind of like where she really thought maybe it began and kind of backtracking um, and seeing what it could have happened. And when I was born, I, I mean, out of the womb, she was always saying I was screaming and acting like someone was about to murder me. And um, it was when I was in kindergarten that the pediatrician had diagnosed me with um, and just like a general social anxiety, um, which is never really heard of. Usually that happens later when they're about eight years old, 10 years old, when the child's about that age for onset. But I was like one of the few probably children ever um, to be diagnosed with anxiety early on. Right. And that... Mm -hmm. I always grew up in church, but at the same time, it was more or less like I didn't really have my walk to much later. Um, I, I would say at six years old, I accepted Christ, but then it was just, for me, I think at first it was the interjection. Right. Okay. Actually more like the cognitive part of like, okay, I know. Like my thought being, I know, okay, there's a God out there. Great. I'm just going to say I believe in God at this point. And I'm six years old, didn't know any better. Right, um, right. And it wasn't until I was in elementary school when I started kind of noticing, um, I would say more of the spirituality of it versus the tradition versus the, um, the actual relationship. And especially when I was um, being homeschooled and then also um, kind of long story as far as being homeschooled, but um, we eventually did some external activities as far as like dance classes, my sister and I. And, and it was during that time that I was kind of noticing how much my social anxiety was really affecting even then. Like I would just shake for no reason. I would just be almost uh, not sure of myself. Right. And I was just learning to live with it. But because kids noticed that I was socially awkward mm -hmm. to them, I would get kind of picked on or bullied. And Today, I mean, obviously I don't hold grudges, but at that time I was just like in despair. I didn't know what to do. I don't know. I felt so weird because it's like I could carry conversations with adults, but kids my own age, I couldn't carry conversations with. And so it's like I was missing this connection with people my own age. And I didn't really think that that was okay. It's like almost like socially that I wasn't accepted. If you can't connect to someone your own age. 
And then being told, like, with my anxiety part of it, being like, just get over it. Like, you don't, you're 12 years old. Why are you anxious? Why are you freaking out right. about something? And in that state, it's like, no, I'm freaking out. I can't calm down. That's what I'm telling you, mm-hmm. is I can't find that center for myself. And it wasn't until I probably went to my youth group and when I was 15 years old, I actually accepted Christ as my lone savior. And this is and a I, part now, right? Because comparison to 15 yes now develop a relationship at some yeah and it, like, that's what, how it developed over time because I just kind of eventually start praying and eventually started doing more um things and being active in my church as well and going from there and then when I was 15 years old I was like god I'm done with this I'm done with you know I want to know what is over my life and that's right. when I was listening to a pastor um Robert Morris I love him he's great um, he was talking about how sometimes it's one word that's over that can be like your oppression that's over your life. And so he was just talking about, you know, being a prayer and asking God, what is that? What's that's what's oppressing me? What spiritually is oppressing me? Mm-hmm. And so through prayer and fasting, God said, like, your word is shame. And it was like in that moment, I wow. felt release. Wow. And that's when oppression left. Yeah, it was it was amazing, and I was crying that whole entire time. I'm like, <laughs> like God, you you totally released me. But it that it, it just shows the oppression that happens with that. But it's like I feel like that's one thing that's missing from the church too is that they don't recognize the oppression part of it. Okay, mm-hmm. they either recognize the demonic or they recognize the um, chemical, but they don't recognize both. Right, and feel like that's one thing that they don't teach even um parents to see because my parents didn't know what was going on with me like although my mom knew it was clinic I was clinically diagnosed with anxiety it's as early as kindergarten right I'm sorry exactly right and it's it's almost like she's never had like of all her children I'm, I'm the baby of the family um she didn't have to experience raising a child with anxiety before like that where I would have like separation anxiety or general anxiety where I just was quiet. I wouldn't talk to people. I wouldn't go up like I do now, like us talking, like this wouldn't have happened if I was like a little girl um, until after I came over that oppressive part being the, um, and then it was towards um, 17 that I started noticing my anxiety kind of came on and off. And I was like, okay, I got this. This is fine. And um, during that time between 15 and 17, there was a family drama going on with my family as far as, um, uh, like a family split happening, um, with my, with my parents and then my, well, mainly my mom's, um, family going on as far as, um, we don't, we don't talk, but we, we pray for my, um, grandfather and uncle because of what happened. Mm -hmm. And it's basically, that's what caused a very major stress in my life was I went from seeing my grandfather and uncle all the time to all of a sudden. And now it's like, I don't recognize, I don't recognize them anymore right Um, and it was like that separation time during my life between them and my family it's like I started noticing like all the things that were unhealthy all the things that you know even insecurities that started coming about because I was with the toxic family members um whether it was my body positivity as far as like growing up I was always overweight versus now where I'm in a healthier um and a healthier lifestyle and exercising. But when I was little, it's like anything mentioned about weight. It's like, what do you feed her? What is it? It's like, okay. 
Mm. Way to put, realize way how to important put, that is. <laughs> exactly. It's like way to put, you know, some sort of positivity about it. Like saying like, Oh, you look so great. No, let me tell you how fat you are. Like, wow. mm-hmm. it's like, what is that? It's like, what, what made you say like, or think that because I'm overweight, that somehow makes me, I guess, less attractive or less, you know, worthy. Listen, I've had, I've had the comments where, um, oh my God, you look good for a big girl. Why couldn't you just say I know. Her? It's like, why would you say that? Just say, I look good. <laughs> oh, girl, you look good. You could really dress for a big girl. Like, really? We had to put that part in? <laughs> we had to put that, you know, we had to put big in association with I look good. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so, I just got dolled up for something and then you just like kill it in a minute. One comment. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, we went, we went on a very good hill incline and all of a sudden we went back up. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks. Oh uh, yeah. Thank you so much. That's what I wanted to hear today. Um, <laughs> but it was like, I heard also with my, like, as like, as time went between that, I started having more of my general come about and right. I was kind of like saying God in that moment, it's like, God, I don't want this anxiety I like I thought I, overca- I overcame this anxiety mm-hmm. he's like well yeah you, you can't overcame the oppression doesn't it. mean you're not gonna it's not doesn't mean that I'm not gonna be with you through the chemical part of it right and that's what really started changing and at first I was able to live with my anxiety as far as not needing medication I was doing what um what just doctors and family members were kind of suggesting as far as um exercising, finding ways of like my Bible time per se, um, going to church, being social. And then when I was going into my first semester of of college, that's when a lot of things became bumpy as far as I was applying for financial aid, but I kept getting denied because that earlier that year, my dad got laid off. Right. So they weren't wanting to it was like a back, it was an ugly back and forth about what documents they needed. Although we already signed the documents and then mm-hmm. turning it in and they say they need it again. And it was just weird. And so I was, I was getting stressed because I wasn't getting financially covered for my schooling. Right. Um, and then my niece was going through a hard time. So my sister-in-law was pregnant at the time and she ended up giving birth at 24 and a half weeks. And then on top of not having financial stability, I'm also having my niece possibly being born early. And this is even happening before she was born at 24 and a half weeks. My, um, my sister is at high risk for delivery. It was just a stress of like having the family split and still having that drama affecting us as far as, um, just, it's like the detox, even though it's done, it was done, like two years before, it's like, it always kind of kept revisiting. Right. And so you have revision, revisit of like almost something ugly that would happen, whether they tried to contact you again or um, just something you remembered. And it was just like a PTSD for a minute because it just took you back to that moment of that separation. And so that was causing that much trouble with me. And then it was just stress with school as well. Cause I had um, my English teacher cause I was taking two classes that I knew I needed to take two classes to at least get my credits in and get the financial aid. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> this is not happening. Not now. And not what everything not, not, not with. now. And so finally I was like that day I was just saying, you know what? I've had enough. I am dropping out of school and not dropping out. I was withdrawing. So I at least had time in there to where it didn't affect later on when I went back to college, as far as withdrawing went. 
Um, so I was able to at least withdraw from college. And then shortly after that, we were called out to Minnesota to talk and talk to be there for the birth of my niece, who was premature. And it was just all within like two weeks that this was right. happening. Right. So finally withdrawing from school, feeling depressed because I had a withdrawal from school. I felt very bad that I couldn't seem to catch up. And I ended up now going to see my niece. And then I see her born. And this like beautiful, like little baby, the size of your palm, like the size of my hand born. And then possible, you know, this possibility is like a 50, basically like a 50, 50 chance. She lives or she passes away. And that day, um, so she was born July 3rd and then she passed away on July 5th. Um, That they were thinking actually that she wasn't going to live at all. Right. They were thinking she wasn't going to be actually fully developed. They're thinking she was going to have lungs or things not developed at all at 24 and a half weeks. And with hard prayer and fasting, um, we can say that, you know, even though she did pass away, she was born with everything. Mm-hmm. She had like a fully developed um, heart, fully developed lung or lungs, um, and just fully developed all the way around. So, it, I mean, it baffled doctors, the fact that she was um, – born so early, but also still having everything. Um, I know from just talking with you privately, I know that with that, all those things that you've been dealing with in terms of where you felt you were at the time when withdrawing from, from class, withdrawing from school and going through that experience and then everything that's going on in your family and then everything now that's going on with your niece mm-hmm. and having faith and prayer and fasting. Hey, mm-hmm. she's going to be born this way, despite what yeah. they say. And she is mm-hmm. born everything that they say she yeah. was born with, but then death happens. Mm-hmm. What did that do to you? And where did that put you next in your journey with anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. and every aspect of mental illness? Yeah, it would, it, would, it put me in a very, it's funny. It's kind of, it's, it's just, that day um, when she was passing, I remember, it's funny, I am a person that will eat when they're stressed. And so, and I won't show my emotion when I am upset, especially in front of people. I don't like crying in front of people. I try to avoid it. That's just kind of like my thing. Um, so I'm, I was in the hallway with my mom and then my sister-in-law's parents. And they were like, the staff was being really nice. They were setting up everything for my my uh my nieces basically like passing away so um they were gonna this is kind of like leading up to the moments when they were gonna cut the cord and everything um and they had brought out this like cart of like gluten-free snacks because we also have celiac disease in my family so they brought out the gluten-free foods and all that and so I started eating like some of the gluten-free foods and they were just kind of staring at me and I sat there and I'm like what I eat when I was upset what does it look like I'm doing (laughs) and I had sat there and I I ate and then I walked to the bathroom and then I cried outside the bathroom and I just kind of just sat there I'm like god why is this happening and um it's just like I can't describe the pain it's like an indescribable pain you don't want anyone to go through when losing a family member it's basically feeling like you're not in control so you're losing control and you're watching someone die. Right. And it's the pain of just sitting there like, okay, I can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I have to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. I have to be okay that I can't control the situation that's happening um, as much as I hate it. 
and I was seeing her and I was crying and I thought of like of David when his son was dying and when David would go through things and all that. And I, I can't remember which verse I was listening to. It's funny. I was listening to Psalms earlier too. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember which, like which chapter was it when I say it's like between chapters like 15 and 30 when he was kind of going through a lot of, um, well, oppression, out, oppressive, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oppressive type states. And he was just saying, you know, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? And then all of a sudden he went back and said, you know, no matter what I'm choosing joy, right. No matter what I'm choosing happiness. And it was in that moment, you know, I was just like, you know what, God, I could sit here and I could either hate you or I could sit here and choose to praise you because my niece was born whole. Uh, I was sitting there and I was just like, you know what, God, I'm going to choose joy even though I am crying and I'm going to choose joy even though I am not feeling joyful particularly. Well, the key and, is, that is that you spoke to the moment. You spoke, you owned the mm-hmm. moment. You said, hey, it's not what I wanted, mm-hmm. it, but in the end of the day... And you spoke to, I'm not too happy, but I don't mm-hmm. choose joy over mm-hmm. the situation. And so that's part of what helps you to heal in that process. Mm-hmm. It did. And sitting there, you're just seeing it. You're just like, you want to hate God, but you want to love God at the same time. So you're, you're loving the person that's dying and you're hating God, the fact that he's taking it away, but you're sitting there and you're like, you know, God's still got it at the end of the day and he's going to use this at the end of the day. Although I didn't go on medication shortly after this, it didn't happen until about the year after. So in 2019 is when I, um, when I ended up going on medication. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, you had an experience where even from your experience, you have something that come out of it. And I don't want to mm-hmm. go, I want to give you that opportunity to speak about it. But it's that moment where you felt like that's it. Enough is enough. I can't mm-hmm. take no more. Uh, what's the purpose of living? What's the point of living? And yeah. you fell to that edge of where you felt like giving up, giving up on everything. Mm-hmm. But share with us what happened then and where it has taken you today. Um, for me, at the time, I was at the time I was actually on trial for medication, and um, it was happening early Mayish. I was also about to go to school as well. That later that year, I was finally kind of getting that courage to go back, even though I felt very defeated the first time around with school and withdrawing. Um, and, uh, I was just kind of preparing myself mentally for it. And then I ended up going to this work where it was very toxic as well. Um, and that started to affect me mentally as far as just kind of like, I went from very, my first two jobs, the first three jobs were very good as far as like, I had great staff I worked with, great work, like, uh, bosses I worked with. Mm-hmm. And this one, it was different. It was very catty because I worked with a bunch of women, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. place to begin with. <laughs> Start with the beginning, yes, um, and it's, um, uh, it, it was just drama that went on and on, and I don't talk about drama. I don't like to continue with the drama, but it was, it had to just do with unhealthiness, and that was happening in it, and I even felt the oppression that Satan was putting on it. And so each and every time I went to work, I was also praying about it. I was like, Lord, let this oppression, whatever environment, toxic environment, period. Right. Yeah. Environment. I was like, let this, let this environment go. Like, let, you know, be in like, whenever I'm here, I want you to be here. I don't, you know, I whenever I'm in the store or whatever, I want you to be here as well. And, um, that was like tearing at me as well with the, with the toxicity of it, that was tearing at my soul a lot because it was almost like going to battle and just being weary all the time. 
it was like I was always having to constantly be on the defense about something I did or something that happened and um almost being bullied again like uh, instead of childish bullying it's adult bullying right and it's like I had to go through that and I'm just like Lord, I have no time for this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have no time for these women, but Lord, bless the time that I'm here. Although right. I want to right. just leave. <laughs> and find some positivity <laughs> in everything. Yeah. And um, I finally kind of like summer comes by, comes and goes, and I'm now in my fall semester of school. And I was, the, before I started my fall semester, I should mention my anxiety dog. Um, she basically passed away very abruptly, very suddenly. She had some sort of like blood disease mm-hmm. where her blood doesn't thick it, it thickened. So whenever she would get a cut, it would just keep bleeding. Um, um, with a, like a course of like 10 days, she went from being very happy go lucky, very, um, much my anxiety dog to all of a sudden lethargic, um, not wanting to eat, throwing up, um, having blood in her stool. And just, I mean, a tragic death to mm. this dog. And, um, and it was just, I mean, that rocked me very hard because I went from having Harper the year before, passed away, my niece's name is Harper, um, before having her die before. Now I'm having the next year be filled with death again. And this time it's my emotional support. It's my, it's my, it's my baby. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Was, and I told my friends at that time, I'm like, it's like watching your best friend that you've had since mm. like, ever forever I was like it was legitimately felt like my best friend was dying in front of me I, I can I can identify mm-hmm. I have a dog of my own not a, yeah. for me it's an emotional dog as well yeah you know because it's it's, mm-hmm. it's just so different those who are mm-hmm. not pet lovers they'll not understand yeah. it's definitely mm-hmm. especially when you're dealing with anxiety mm-hmm. and the aspect of that it's that moment when you come home and you can just yeah you, you know. relax you like yeah. the dog come to you or your cat or whatever yeah. that's what yeah. as well. it's like they come oh they know where you're in an intense moment and they come over and they give you comfort right. besides people it's almost like it's like and for those who don't understand when you're in prayer yes god will comfort you yes god will be there for you but there are times where you're going to have dry seasons where you don't feel God all the time. Yeah, you're absolutely. not going to, that's absolutely. how it is. And there's going to be ebbs of flow. And when that happens, and um, I would say what definitely feels like it's a connection in that moment is when you have your support, whether it's a person or an animal it's for like for people like us, where we have support animals, whether a dog or cat is like, that's your friend. That is your best friend. They come with you everywhere. You're going to be traveling with them. They're going to be with you. They're your companion essentially when you're alone. Right. Um, and so she had like that tragedy. I mean, that whole month is like, I woke up in the middle of the night and I like, what I always do whenever I woke up in the middle of the night is I look over, I call on my bed and then we'll cuddle. Mm-hmm. And I woke up in the middle of the night one night and I looked over and I, I called her and I saw her bed and I saw she wasn't there. And I, it was like the realization hit me. She's not here. Wow. <laughs> and wow. Stopped. I mean, I cried myself to sleep that night. That's how much I am. Like, I just, that's how much it rocked me. Right. Um, and then especially going to school when the stress was hitting me and then I had two anniversaries now, like, one being my niece's death. Now it's being my dog's death. And then it's, um, it's this connection. I'm also wanting as well, because I just moved again. This was when I was in Iowa because my family moved around a lot. Yeah. My life is long and I have a lot of stories probably even with moving. I, I am a traveler and a wanderer. 
Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I'm also alone with school and everything. I'm just making some friends, but it's nothing too deep yet, per se. Um, and I remember, and so this is kind of getting up to my suicidal tendency that happened. I was um, driving to school, and it was um, – it was like my lecture day at school and I had to have things ready and I was having um, to get like basically a study, uh, study group time basically that day. And so I'm on my way like I am every day and I'm coming up to a bridge and that's when depression hit me really hard. And I thought of driving off the bridge that day. Right. And um, within that same moment, same flow, I was like, God, oh, that's not you. <laughs> It's like that that slapped me in the face almost and woke me up too is is the fact that I thought that. And it was scary for me. I was like, I've never been suicidal before. I've never thought of cutting myself or anything like that. And all of a sudden, it's like it hit me and I was like, I want to die. Let me actually speak to that because a lot of people will think that because you're a Christian, you Mm -hmm. cannot have suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, Here it is. You you were born basically like coming out of the womb with aspects (laughs) of depression, mental illnesses, mm-hmm. so to speak. Because as you shared earlier, as a baby, you were crying uncontrollably mm-hmm. and there's no explanation. Mm-hmm. It's not like, okay, does she need to be fed? Is she what? Nothing. Yeah. And as early as kindergarten, diagnosed, clinically diagnosed with some aspect of mental illness, right? So mm-hmm. and, uh, accepting Christ at age six and then really developing a relationship yeah. with him at 15, mm-hmm. And going through all these traumas and everything, and now here it is, you're driving home and you see a bridge, and that's what you're thinking. Might as well just go over this. Mm-hmm. But then in that moment of that thought, okay, the spirit speaks to you and say, hey, that's not what it's about. That's not what mm-hmm. I'm here for. And that's not what I call you for. And mm-hmm. take you back from that. But yet still, you're still saved. You're saving. You're yeah. going through these mm-hmm. experiences. You're saving. You're having suicidal thoughts. And it's I think mm-hmm. a lot of times in um, the Christian world, we tend to think that once we were Christians, we're like, oh, we're like the superhero and nothing bothers, nothing happens. Yeah. No. It's all angels singing and doves that flying everywhere. No, yes. it's not. It's no, listen, no doves flying here. Have those <laughs> moments, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I remember um, even myself, um, I was pregnant with my daughter and uh, she's now 21 <laughs> and I went through that um, experience of, feeling this, you know, the sense of depression and not realizing mm-hmm. it was depression. And yeah. maybe because of culture and maybe because mm-hmm. of, of church setting as well, yeah. as well as, um, you know, tradition and where, where I'm from in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. the West Indies, there's certain mm-hmm. things you just say, oh, it's not depression. Just stop thinking about that. Stop, stop thinking about, about it. <laughs> Go outside and get some sun and, you know, and we mm-hmm. tend to defer from it, but it's real. It is real. It is real. And, you know, it could be for anything. It doesn't matter. And I think sometimes we tend to forget that. So I want you to speak about that. Being a Christian, being a woman of faith, and mm-hmm. but yet still having that suicidal thought. What did that do to you? And how did that, how did your faith mm-hmm. with that to get to pull you back to where you are now? It affected everything. I mean, uh, it's... But it's almost like how you're talking about the church, the church setting part of it. It's kind of like I think back on it and I was just like, okay, God, I know this is it for me. Okay, I know this, this, you know, why am I like this? Why, why is this like this? And it's almost like there's, um, not all churches. There's some churches I know that are very much into 
having um, you go to therapy even if they find out, okay, you're dealing with a mental illness and things like that. But there, I feel like it's a stigma or almost like a little bit more commonly known among churches to not help you with that or at least not keep um, some sort of like handbook, if you want to say it like that, or some sort of like kind of go to like, okay, what happens when your Christian com- friend comes to you and they want to commit suicide? It's like, you don't have anything like that. You have, right. you have the discipleship of like, okay, this is what you do when you get saved. This is what you do to see, to stay disciple. This is what you do to fix your marriage, fix your relationships. There's nothing in between there that kind of talks about, okay, what happens when you are mentally ill with anxiety or mentally ill with depression and suicide? It's like, where is that handbook? <laughs> it's like, I would like to Seriously, have that handbook. You're absolutely correct. Because think about it. In the Bible itself, if we look into detail, right? If we mm-hmm. look beyond just reading the scriptures and go into it, mm-hmm. we have a couple of them in there. We have a couple of characters in there. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of characters in there or a couple of moments where you mm-hmm. would think, if you look at it now, you're like, okay, for example, when David came back from Ziglag and he lost everything, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. who dances and takes clothes off? Yeah. <laughs> Something is off right there. Yeah. Okay. If I just come on a Zoom and I just start dancing, take, something is off. Trust me. Right? <laughs> Something is off, right? You know, like, okay, girl, uh, you're going to need to get some help somewhere, somehow. Yeah. And we have a couple, even, even <laughs> Mordecai. Come on. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to do this. And people eating stuff and this one eating this and yeah. this one really like what's going on here you know king nebuchadnezzar out there in the wilderness and all these different things it's if we look at it we've had some characters here we've Mm -hmm. had some characters here you know and you're right where is that handbook with the church yeah why is there such a stigma where's that handbook how do we deal with mental illnesses in the church how do we address it and Mm -hmm. oftentimes like you said you may find a few that will say hey okay this is it. We, you know, they believe in talk therapy or, you know, whether yeah. you go to a Christian counselor or not, whatever. And then there's some like, oh no, that is demonic. That is the that's devil. God. That's the devil. You're not praying enough. You're not fasting enough. You're not mm-hmm. reading the word enough. You need to do this. Mm-hmm. And, you need to, and there's so many stuff that they're telling that we need to do that they should not be telling you that you need to do. Yeah. There's some things that you should not say when someone is dealing with depression mm-hmm. or anxiety or anything of that sort. Yeah. Like you're too blessed to be stressed. I'm like, well, oh, oh, say that one again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I am blessed. I understand the power. There's um, power in what we say. We know that, right? So I'm not yeah. gonna say that. Okay, there's nothing. I'm not gonna say anything is wrong with saying that you're too blessed to be stressed. But right about now, I am stressed. I'm stressed. Yeah, I'm stressed. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I have a baby crying. My husband and I are fighting. Exactly. And I- cry <laughs> there's not even I know I'm blessed but yeah. I am stressed <laughs> yeah exactly and it's like I was I remember telling my mom this too is like I was telling her I was saying like mom I know I'm stressed right now and I know I have a lot going on I know I have to have a big girl pants on right now but mom I'm so busy I don't even have time to cry I'm to cry and process, I have to keep going. Mm. There's like, keep, it's just this keep going mentality. And I would say that that's kind of like what happened in that moment as well. When I was going through depression, it was just kind of like, if I didn't think of that in that moment, if I didn't have God intercede in that moment, I probably wouldn't be sitting here, or at least I would wow. be looking very different um, right now, even if I'd made it across what would have been there. 
Um, because in that moment, it's like when I get it, when I released it to God and I crossed the bridge, um, and then I made it to the school parking lot, I just sat there and I was just mm. like, God, what happened? And then I started crying. I was like, and that was kind of like my time to decompress. And actually it's almost like in a way it was kind of like my wake up call, like my wake up call for like, you can't control everything, mm. but God can. And yes. it's like, yes it's like, you know, and you're going to feel these, 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 these things and you're going to have these thoughts, but does not mean you need to accept them. Mm -hmm. And we need, it's like, and whenever we have that flesh moment of struggling from flesh and spirit, it's like this, we can hold our words captive as well, or whatever thought for thinking, or we can hold the devil captive as well. Mm -hmm. We don't have, we, I feel like that's one thing that people don't see either um with depression is that they think that they're in a prison but really they're not <laughs> it's like they're they're holding themselves in a glass panel that they can just take a hammer with mm-hmm. and break mm-hmm. you know like that's what they're that, that's what that's the prison you're in that's the prison you're in is where you're putting yourself in this fake invisible prison and it's like you're thinking that the devil has the keys but really it's the reverse wow you, it's like you have the keys and you're like okay you're going away you're, I'm turning you out. You're not in control. God's in control. Go away. And it's hard to think of that. I mean, it's, it took me time to get through that and think right. and get my prison type state and accept the fact that um, God wanted me to have this because I remember talking to God about, you know, why do I have anxiety? Why, why can't I just be quote unquote normal? And mm-hmm. God was like, no, I want you to go through both. You're going to experience both the oppression and you're going to experience the chemical. You're experience both. It's not going to be fun. And he's, he's, and he was like kind of explaining to me as far as like, I want you to be relatable to both people Wow. because there's going to be some things where it's just the oppression and there's going to be some people that are going to deal with the chemical. And then there's going to be people like you that deal with both. And it's, what do you do when you're dealing with one or the other or both? And there's no hand. (laughs) reminds me of Peter when he says, you know, um, after you've been through, after you've been through, then go strengthen the brethren. So for you, the process in this journey and this experience is both worlds because he's saying, okay, while there's some people who are going to cater to those who are dealing with one aspect of it and the other aspect, you have been now, as you would call it, going through and then dealing with it to be able to deal with both so that you can relate to people who have to deal with both. So everything that you've been through, your testimony, that's your testimony. Your test is your testimony, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and it was I can't say more than just kind of like I'm like God was that <laughs> you know like but I don't want to be that way and there's gonna be times where I was sitting there like okay I went through that and then I have experiences with people that start just talking to me and telling me their life stories in Walmart and I'm just kind of sitting here like God I don't always want to be this way but then there's times where he kind of reminds me like well there's times where you always told me you know it's like you didn't always want to be this way but yet you are and then you told me you want to be able to help people. And so here I am giving you a need. An opportunity to help someone. Exactly. In a wall. Yeah. yeah. It's like God, God takes a need and then uses that need to go fill someone else's need. And that's also okay. another thing that happens as well is that I would say is getting through the selfish part of it. Because in anxiety, there's I. And in pride, there's I. Yes. What's in the middle? I. I. I and, <laughs> uh, yeah. and it's just kind of like, oh, 
I have to humble myself again. And I feel like that's my reminder to myself as well is just kind of like, okay, what's the middle of anxiety? I, okay. What's the middle of God? Oh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there I'm like, oh God. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's it's just kind of like that reiterating, like, okay, I know this anxiety is going to be there, but it's realizing, okay, I need to take my pride away somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and even with depression, it's still on self. So it's like, okay, it's the battle of the flesh and the spirit going on. Mm-hmm. And it's this battle that constantly will keep going on. And there's nothing that will change other than what can change with you. So right. it's almost like you're setting yourself with, okay, God, less of me more than you type thing. And like, he, it's like going back to the universes with a whole, he is greater than I part of it. And it's just kind of like, I feel like that's kind of like the reset that I've been dealing with myself is that, okay, uh, with my anxiety, I will think of scenarios or things like that, that hype up my anxiety. Okay. What's going to be my coping to get away from that? Right. What to tune out to tune back in? So it's like tuning out those voices and then tuning in the right voices, especially God's voice, I would say. Um, and just kind of having that moment of either places you can go to for that rest or places you can go to to have that person of support be with you. When you talk about coping and people don't understand sometimes when you're dealing with depression and anxiety in every aspect, some aspects of mental illness, mm-hmm. to get up, to rise up. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, we understand that God give us a breath of life and we rise up, but to actually get up off the bed mm-hmm. and put your feet on the ground, that in and of itself can be a struggle as well. Mm-hmm. And to actually go through the day, we have different aspects of people, um, some who are functional. I know I, I went through that experience already. I, <laughs> my, my, the, the muscle here, right, says mm-hmm. you are supposed to do this. So you get up and you go there and mm-hmm. I'm going there, but. I'm not realizing how I'm getting there and not realizing what I look like when I get there. So it could be where someone will be working and they're going through depression and they Mm -hmm. wear the same outfit twice in one day to work. And they're not aware of it because they're Mm -hmm. functional, right? They're functional, but they're dealing with something, but they're functional. So talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about that coping and what it's like, the struggles of it, Mm -hmm. and just to rise up in the morning and to actually make it through a day dealing with, any area of mental illness uh it's always tough i was i'm just gonna say that now it's it's and i even tell my mom i'm like okay i'm getting ready to go through hell today but i'm gonna make it out of hell today Mm. and it's there's days where i'm definitely like i'll like keep hitting the snooze button i don't want to wake up and get and face this reality i'm hitting the snooze button as many times as i can i was a sleeping person i like sleeping um but it's kind of like, okay, enough of the snoozing, enough of this. It's kind of like you have to talk yourself out of it. So if you talk yourself into anxiety, you can talk yourself out of anxiety. Out of mm-hmm. Or if you talk yourself into depression, you talk yourself out of depression. And it's not like God's not going to be there for you and giving the words to say, but it's, I would say a lot of it's internal as far as when it happens, which is obvious. I mean, the chemical imbalance is the internal part. But I would say, especially if you're still feeling out and, um, getting yourself out of it. And I would say for me with how many times I've moved over the years. So for people that have moved all of their life, like me, where it's like mm-hmm. every year you're moving, um, you're, I would say you're, you're going to be your own cheerleader. Now you're going to be your own 
So it's like, if I don't care if you put notes on the wall, there are some people I know that put notes on the wall and that's their get up and go in the morning. Or for me, it's like, okay, God, you got this. I'm getting out of bed this morning and I'm going to have a victory. Mm. It's setting your, it's setting that clock (laughs) or that timer on the thing or like, um, like setting an oven, setting an oven timer. You set it, check it. It's like this, set it, check it, it, set set it, it, Mm -hmm. check it. Right. And it kind of going back and forth. And that's basically what you have to do every day is just kind of setting and checking and um, finding that way to get in, get out of the coping. So for me, uh, my coping is eating healthy, exercising, and having my prayer and Bible moments and um, having my family time. Okay. If you're, and that's kind of like, that's my routine. Now each person's routine is different. Sometimes they have to work the night shift. Okay. So you can still wake up, have a protein shake, go to work (laughs) or like have something like that. And it's just finding that person that's going to be with you. If you are in like a steady area where you have friends, okay, find the friends that are going to be with you and say, okay, you know, I got your back. If you start having this happen. Right like your crisis, your prayer crisis team. So you have your prayer warriors over here. Now you got like the prayer crisis team over here. It's serious. And, it's serious. Uh-huh. It's really, mm-hmm. it really, because it's a different aspect. It's a different struggle. Mm-hmm. It's a different and struggle. It really is. And I mean, for me, it's like I had to kind of realize like, okay, especially with moving, I'm not going to always have that friend there for me, or I'm not going to always have that family member, but I'm going to always have God and I'm going to always have myself that's here. So what am I going to do? I'm going to like talk myself out of it. I'm going to talk myself to get out of this bed this morning. Cause I have animals to take care of. That's another thing I would say that's <laughs> helpful with anxiety and depression is if you don't have an animal or if you can't have an animal, go find something to take care of because it's like the motherly or fatherly instinct will kick in. And I'm telling you, if you have something that kind of helps you get up in the bed, out of the bed that morning, especially even if it's a fish, mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a fish having something to take care of kind of gets you in that mood, mode of like, okay, it's not just about me. Right. You have to care for something else and someone you have else. to care for something else or yeah. someone else. Right. And this is not a petition to go have a child. So stop it. <laughs> this is not an from God to go have a child. Children do not fix everything. Okay. <laughs> you will have the child in God's timing. I'm just letting you know. Making that out. I just want to put that out there. (laughs) I'm putting that out there. I'm not giving you permission. But no, it's 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 kind of like that's for me. That's one way that's always worked for me is having my animals to go take care of, having um, my cat or my dog to go take care of in the morning, having a routine. That's the biggest thing I could say to anyone with anxiety, depression is having a routine. Yeah. Something pat down. Okay, yes. Getting up in the morning, having your feet on the floor. Okay, what are you going to do? It's like what you're saying, muscle memory. I'm going to go brush my teeth or I'm going to go take my dogs out. I'm going to like just starting off with something every day. And then I would definitely say the next one would be prayer. So whether you're praying on the way to work, mm. um, praying, like, that's what I do. For me, I don't always have time in the morning because I'm rushing out the door in the morning. But on the way to work, I will have my prayer time or I'll have right. my Bible time or because I mean, God gave us phones for a reason. We have the Bible app for a reason to speak to us. <laughs> the easiest thing nowadays, I'm telling you. <laughs> exactly. And so I was like, on my way to work. And that's just me. Some people, they're like, well, I need to sit down. Okay, sit down and have your Bible time. Right. Set aside the Bible time. Set aside the quiet time. 
um, for that. As an individual, right? Yeah, for an individual. And I would definitely say, um, say that, you know, if you're contemplating medication, it's okay. Mm. Don't be afraid of medication. Don't be, because at first I will say I was afraid of medication. I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to change my moods. This is going to change me. And then really it changes you, but it's not going to make you different in that sense. Like where you're not going to recognize yourself in the morning. You're going to recognize the positive aspects of yourself in the morning. Right. So I'd say when I was at first, there's always trials. So the doctor will always make you go on a trial to see what medication works best for you. My first experience wasn't that well. I ended up having it make my depression worse. (laughs) And that's what the doctor had said. Okay, when you're having that happen, if you start having that happen, whether it's suicidal thoughts or you're having more anxiety where it's triggering it, come back, like stop taking the medicine, come back and we will start again. And so supposed to help you is making the matters worse. mm -hmm. And sometimes that happens. And I feel like that's with any trial and error is, you're going to have that stumbling moment. You're not going to, not everything's supposed to be working smoothly from then on out. Um, but I was able to go back and I was able to get the right medication, the right um, combination um, of medicine to help. And I would say it's funny when I first started trying it because my brother went on, on anti-anxiety for a little bit for himself as well. And um, he was saying what's weird is that one side of your brain's freaking out. The other side is just completely serene and calm. Mm-hmm. And that just chills you out. You're just sitting there like this, like I don't know what to do, but my brain feels of the mind. <laughs> yeah, it's the bottle of the mind. You're woke. You're just like this. You're just like, okay, this is weird. So my body's not reacting to my freaking out brain. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Right, right. And it's just it's kind of like it, and it's funny. I'm learning in my psychology class because I'm taking abnormal psychology at the moment. And they're saying one of like the ways to kind of help people with anxiety is um, like this muscle, um, this tense muscle therapy. So what you're doing is you're tensing up that muscle and then you're releasing that muscle. Tensing and then releasing. And what's supposed to do is whenever you're feeling tense, it's supposed to make you recognize you're tense. So that way you calm back down. Oh, as wow. much as it is cognitive being your thought and your brain, as much as it was running through your brain as far as like, yeah, your brain's tense. What happens is bodily, your body starts to tense. So everything starts being affected with your anxiety and your depression is bodily. You'll start seeing the difference. Okay. So you're in those, in those therapies like that, where that one is, that one probably would have been helpful for me because I was always tense growing up. That's mm-hmm. one thing I started noticing when I started taking the medicine is that I would be very tense and then I'm like, I'm not tense for any reason. Why am I tense? And then I start to relax. And so that's kind of like one of the ways that they – teach you I would say in therapy is to um relax your muscles wow and find different ways and besides that they would would go on there's other therapies for like I would say anxiety being um um like having a diary so for me I have my own like little journal I'll have with me so whenever I'm in that depressive moment that's my way of releasing is through my writing well, or talk about my, that poetry that you did with the bridge connected yeah. your your worst experience feeling at <laughs> that moment of being having those suicidal thoughts and then later on mm-hmm. through your coping and as you mm-hmm. just mentioned about journaling and mm-hmm. even writing that poem mm-hmm. for me i can't i could not find the book that i, I had written it down on so uh, when i was writing it it was more letter to myself type thing as if i was writing or right. praying 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I was having a conversation and it was just more or less, I titled it like a crossing bridges because I thought it'd be original after crossing a bridge. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I was just kind of writing and, and just saying that um, in like my deepest and darkest times. Um, and in that moment, I wanted to end everything. And I was just kind of going on based off of that feeling and just kind of saying like, God, I, like, I wanted to end it all right there. I didn't want to keep having that pain I didn't want to keep having that worry and then I kind of sat there and I was as I was writing that and just thinking about it and I started like you know what God I want to have your purpose in here now and so he started kind of turning around what I was saying there like being almost like antagonist or derogatory sounding to all of a sudden like you know God turned this around basically for my good wow. and I started kind of writing um that you know God saved me that that, that day and that's what I ended up writing about is just kind of turning something that was meant to kind of sound derogatory, like a hate God to all of a sudden, eh, he saved me. <laughs> hey, it's just like it was, what was meant for evil turned works. around for good. What was yeah, meant exactly. for turned around absolutely for mm-hmm. good, which is where I want to talk about um, as we get ready to wrap up with this session. Basically, like now on your social media platform on Instagram, um, I like the title, She Walks By Faith. Yeah. <laughs> And I know that was strategically um, thought thought through and it has a purpose. And why Mm -hmm. did you choose that? And some of the things that you post on there, why did you choose that she walks by faith? I just kind of always, one way I was thinking about it when I in that moment, because I was thinking of Esther in that moment as well, as far as kind of, she had to walk by faith by walking into the throne room of the king and not basically being put to death in that moment she could have died in that moment yeah and that's what i feel like a lot lot of people kind of think about in the moment of esther they think oh esther is like so you know out there she's so courageous and i'm just seeing her like well think of it this way (laughs) esther's walking to her death potentially in that scene in that moment because to approach the king in the throne room without being called or summoned was like a death that could happen to you then that time that's what they can that's in that time it was very improper and it was also almost considered a threat so in that moment if the king did not receive her with his scepter being the golden scepter that he had um she would have been put to death and that would have been it of esther but in that moment it's kind of like she's walking by faith by doing it for her people and in that moment when he's extending the scepter it's it reminded me of like okay that's god's favor you're walking into something that could kill you potentially but god's favor's there Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. And um, it was, that's kind of like what I wanted this channel to be about. I like, I like She Walks by Faith. And then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll stick with that. And then that's kind of like how it came to be. But there's also a bunch of other people that have She Walks by Faith. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to be the one that says 21. And I end up saying, <laughs> She Walks by Faith 21. And I'm 21. It's strategically done because at the same time, that's part of your life story. That's part mm-hmm. of your life journey. You're walking by faith. So mm-hmm. you're not afraid to say, hey, I'm a woman of faith. And hey, I'm a woman who have dealt with, and I'm dealing mm-hmm. with anxiety. I'm dealing with depression. I'm dealing with mental illness here. And yeah. the thing that's getting me through is my faith. So I'm aware of what's going on. I'm open to medication if that requires Mm -hmm. it to be. But I understand also that I have a purpose and I have a call. So you yourself are facing death every day by facing, Mm -hmm. dealing with these um, 
you know, situations and occurrences and every mm -hmm. episode that you may have and whatever level of magnitude of, of, of that moment of depression yeah. or that moment of anxiety, overwhelming, mm -hmm. but you're walking by faith every minute, understand mm -hmm. that despite what you're going through, there's still a purpose, there's still a call. Mm -hmm. so therefore, each time you experience, okay, here I go posting something on my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> and that then, you yeah. know, engaging with people out there, they're like, wow. Mm -hmm. I too am dealing with this. I too am suffering mm -hmm. with this. And many are suffering on the silence. They're suffering yeah. in silence and mm -hmm. suffering in the church. And yeah. to know that there's someone else out there that's dealt with it in a church setting, dealt with mm -hmm. it being a Christian and still have not walked away from the faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is the faith that's also keeping you, but it's also mm -hmm. wisdom that says, hey, let's mirror the faith here with mm -hmm. some help, with some yeah. coping skills. Let's mirror the faith with some medication. Yeah. Let's mirror the faith yeah. with the reality. I was born, I would say, like, even though I was born with the anxiety, I was born with the purpose of, like, walking with it and then learning to cope with it and also learning to get rid of it. And, you know, I wouldn't want to change it any other way from having that anxiety anymore. Because, like, it's like seeing what I did when I, like, seeing, just kind of seeing myself at a younger age, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> like, I, you just see, it's almost like seeing yourself grow. That's basically what was happening for me. It's like, I wouldn't have been here. I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have been, you know, doing this or thinking about this had this not happened to me. Right. Um, and also with the channel and all that, it's, I'm hoping to eventually invite more people into my channel and almost have conversations like this or Absolutely. Have sort of, um, Bible study type of thing like this and doing some sort of like some sort of chat. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going to be. I feel like God's got a plan for it. I'm just trying to feel out like, okay, how is this going to work? When is this going to work? And, um, going from there, and I eventually do want to do a YouTube, um, channel, but mm -hmm. right now I think just with how I am in school and just kind of like time-based, I don't have, I don't hey, have the resources balance. yet for it, but it's going to happen. Balance, balance, mm -hmm. balance, balance, mm -hmm. because you have to also take care of you. Right? Exactly. Because after mm -hmm. a while, these things can be overwhelming. It can be yeah. overwhelming. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're so overwhelmed that you then become unhealthy, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And if you're unhealthy and you're not in that process of healing, then whatever you're going to put out is not going to come out in that mm -hmm. positive way as well. So exactly. everything happens in time. Who knew that we would? Who knew that we would have had this conversation? Exactly. <laughs> I was the same way. I like when it happened. I sat there and I kind of looked at it for a minute because. It's funny with social media, you can't almost trust anyone you talk to as much because like there's some people that I talked to um, that ended up being like a, like a scammer of some kind, like trying to get money. And I'm like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> no, <laughs> and he was just saying like, you're not a believer. And I sat there. I'm like, okay, let's, let's talk about the Bible then. And then he was totally changing the subject. I'm like, okay, Bye. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I mean. Like when I first saw your, your message, I sat there and I'm like, please don't be a scammer. Please don't be a scammer. Please. And I saw, I kind of read it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I can do that. Like, sure. Let's talk and have a conversation. And yeah, I was, I was totally surprised in the end with that happening. But yeah, I mean, if I wasn't on social media and you weren't on social media, I don't think we'd probably ever get to really meet each other <laughs> at that point. I don't think so. I'm telling you in this pandemic, it's amazing. Um, you know, a lot of people have died. Yes, we understand mm -hmm. that. And, you know, may God be with their families and everything. Yeah. And a lot of people have, you know, lost jobs and 
gone through mm-hmm. different aspects of suffering and dealing with um, mm-hmm. things during this COVID. But then on, also on the flip side, there's a lot of things that have emerged. Yeah. A lot of things that have, you know, rise up. People who, I see a switch in how God is even moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, or on the back burners are now being on the front. Um, yep. young, younger voices are now speaking to older voices before it was like, mm-hmm. we tell you what to do. You yeah. Do what to do. <laughs> yeah, now, exactly. Now you, this youth, this voice from the youth, um, whatever areas you guys are category you're in, whether the Gen Z's, the Mills, or whatever you, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're classified as, but your voices are now being heard. It's, you know, mm-hmm. you're making stands, you're being seen, you're showing mm-hmm. up, you guys are saying, hey, we have something to say. And we're now sitting mm-hmm. back like, okay, okay, wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. and also even in the church itself, um, mm-hmm. we see this flip as well right yeah. so how we used to do church is not the way we're doing it now and yeah we're having to sit in our cars now and listen to the radio what we have to listen to their you know we have to listen to their radio in the car at a church parking lot what <laughs> yeah. before you know some churches would be like that's demonic that that is yeah, not exactly. like, facebook is not of god you. facebook is not of god you know get your face in the real book <laughs> But now we're all on the Facebook, right? The yeah. platform or something. But, you know, and, and I said it's in a joking way, but um, it's it's real. It's a switch. Mm-hmm. There's a switch. And and I believe strongly that you have a gift, you have a call, you have a purpose, and it will be fulfilled. While you're becoming this better you, while you're becoming this more purposeful woman and understanding your purpose here, despite what you're going through, you went through your season and you spoke so real about it that sometimes yeah. going through, we understand that what we say, uh, we have the power of life and that within mm-hmm. our tongue, right? But you said something so profound. You spoke a thing. You said, okay, I'm dealing with this anxiety, but it's not going to get the best of me. So you mm-hmm. spoke to it and then you spoke against it, right? Mm-hmm. And and through that, your faith then even amplified and was able to pop mm-hmm. through and push you through. So I'm just right. excited that we met. Yeah. excited that we're, we're going to be having these continual conversations. Oh, and, yeah. I look forward um, to it. I'm just looking forward to the great things that we're going to do. And you're also going to be on the podcast as well. Uh, I'm so sad. I was like so excited having, I sat there. I'm like, I'm going to be on a podcast. (laughs) Yes, you are girl. I was like running around and I was just kind of like saying to my mom, I'm like, mom, this is happening. Like right now. I was like, I'm going to be on a podcast. (laughs) And she's just sitting there like, when did this happen? I was like, this happened yesterday. And she's just like, why didn't you tell me this yesterday? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I just, it happens. <laughs> so uh, I'm so excited, but we'll definitely be coming back to do more of these Zoom conversations and talking mm-hmm. more on this. And so um, we'll chat, okay? Awesome. And and stop and bye, Chris. Bye. Take care, honey. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, ladies, for listening to Woman to Woman Podcast. Please visit our website at w2wpodcast.com or woman.w2wpodcast.com. And if you'd like to send us an email and have some inquiries, please send us an email to w2wpodcastshow at gmail.com. That's w, the number two, wpodcastshow at gmail.com. Again, follow us also on Twitter at woman 
to Woman P. <laughs> okay, and follow us also on Instagram and Facebook. And if you'd like to be a partner and partner and sponsor the show, please again also reach out to us by email at w the number two w podcast show at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.